Hello. Hi. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Man, what a great day to be alive. Seriously. To be in 30 degree weather. Yeah. Coming back from 80, 80 degree. degree weather in Orlando. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to Rock, Rock the, the Boat, sis. Rock it. A podcast all about having a voice. Being comfortable in the <laughs> uncomfortable, not being afraid to talk about all of the things, and realizing you're, you're not, not alone. alone. You guys, I have never been more excited, excited, ecstatic, happy, privileged, honored, wow. humbled to introduce this episode today. Yeah, I'm super excited. Yeah. Why are you excited? Um, because we've got some friends on our episode. Yes, we have. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yes, we have got some friends on our episode. So today is going to be one of those days where it's like, hey, get comfortable the uncomfortable. Because I, as far as our analytics are concerned, we have a 76% women audience. Wow. But those 25%, what up ladies, but that 25% of men listening, this might be a good episode for you to tune into and get a little uncomfortable in the, in the women, woman world. Yeah. Because we are talking all things vaginal health, health, (laughs) vaginal health, women's health, um, with some experts today. So I would love to introduce the ladies of the hour. Up first, we have got nurse practitioner Erin Upsall. Erin received her BSN from East Central University, her MSN from Kaplan, now Purdue University. She's a family nurse practitioner, but she works for Southern Oklahoma Women's Health, which specializes in gynecology, male and female hormones, and aesthetics. You can call her nurse practitioner, Erin. I can call her my bestie. Let's welcome to the show, Erin. How are you, sis? (laughs) Hello, I'm great. Good. Very excited and honored to be here as well. Yes. excited for you to be here. We are so excited. And Erin is not our only guest today. Woo, we got a twofer. We got a twofer for you. Let's join to the show. Dr. Christina PTDPT. She got her Bachelor of Art in English in 2006 from the East Tennessee State University. She received her doctorate of physical therapy from ETSU in 2009. Since then, she's been practicing exclusively pelvic health conditions in women, but she recently opened a private practice in September of 2021, where she specializes in integrative treatment of complex pain and pelvic health in all genders with an emphasis on stress management. Her private practice is called Brightside Integrative Physical Therapy in Johnson City, Tennessee. And she actually does remote consults. I love that. Which is pretty amazing. You can call her Dr. Christina. I can call her sister. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> Welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. We so are excited. so excited that you guys are here. Taking so, time out of your 
Friday. Yep. To talk to us. Yeah. And what's really cool, you guys, is that they are zooming in. We've got cross country visitors today coming straight from cross country to your earbuds. You're welcome. So, all right, let's dive in. I want you guys to take a minute and kind of just introduce yourselves, like why you got into the practice that you're in, what you'd like to kind of dive into today, some bullet points. Um, And yeah, just introduce, tell them a little bit about yourself. Whoever wants to go first. Well, I'll jump in real quick. Christina here. Um, A quick addendum to what Carrie said. I graduated with my doctorate in physical therapy in 2019. What did I say? Um, You said 2009. Oh, cute. (laughs) Like that that would be cool. Yeah, that would (laughs) have been cool. (laughs) That would have been cool. Um, But no, 2019. So I had a pretty good big gap between my bachelor's and then deciding to go back for PT because I had a baby in the meantime and I had a pretty tough pregnancy and an emergency C-section and it was awful and I didn't know anything about anything physical or self-care. And so kind of figuring out all of that is how I got interested in women's health. And then I went back to PT school with the intention of specializing in women's health. And now here I am. So I'm so excited to be talking about it with everybody. That's awesome. What do you. you enjoy when you're not doing physical therapy? Um, well, I love petting my cat who's in my lap right now, like a baby. You know that I Um, love that you love your cats. (laughs) So much. Um, I am in my thinking room right now, surrounded by succulents uh, and other plants. So I like taking care of them and getting sunshine and doing yoga and just kind of living a pleasurable life is my favorite. I love that. You also live on like kind of a farm, basically. Kind of. We have about two and a half acres and there there is a dairy farm across the street from us. So we always have cows mooing in the background and we have uh, three chickens on our property, yep. um, including one special needs rooster. Oh my God. Who, um, <laughs> we... That's true. <laughs> His name is Socks and he's a freaking asshole he, he is Socks. he, he is. is he freaking attacks me every time i come and i panic wait why is his name socks that's the real well, question he, he attacks people because he's a rooster and that's what roosters do his name is socks because his his breed or whatever he's got like fluff that goes all the way down his legs um and then he also has some congenital disorders and he's club-footed <laughs> and he has scoliosis <laughs> And he's kind of dwarf size, so we have this little this little scoliotic dwarf rooster that runs around with no claws and and thinks that he can attack people. And then he you you'll be walking and just feel him bounce off the back of your leg, and you're looking around like, what the hell? Carrie running around. I am. I'm gonna need a picture or a video. We'll put socks on the Instagram. We'll put him in the in the show notes. Yeah. 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 Um. No, but he they didn't know he was a rooster when they first got him because he was just like a cute little chick with like fuzzy little club feet legs. So Cadence named him Socks. I love it. And then he grew up to be an asshole. Well, it's okay. <laughs> My real question. We've all, we've all been, been there. We've all now. been there. <laughs> Do you get milk from the dairy farm across the street? 
So the dairy farm across the street is actually contracted by Ingalls grocery stores in our area. So when we go to the grocery store and buy their store brand dairy products, we are consuming dairy from across the road. That's cool. That's cool. cool. I've already cool. Um, well, Got to keep it local. That's there right. Awesome. Well, welcome to the show, sister, doctor. I love you. Thank you I for joining you. us. Um, Aaron, you're up, my friend. Tell <laughs> us about yourself, how you got into this industry. I feel like you've been in this industry for a long time, but have had like, like a long time. <laughs> very different, like you haven't always been doing this. So tell us about it. Right. Right. So I'm Erin. I hail all the way from Ardmore, Oklahoma. Actually, I actually met Carrie when she lived in Oklahoma. So yeah. that's why we're here. Um, I graduated nursing school in 2013 and actually started out working in the operating room. Um, started in the operating room, left and went to home health for a little bit, and then went back to the operating room while I went to nurse practitioner school. My first year of nurse practitioner school, I was pregnant with my son. The last year of nurse practitioner school, I had a newborn. Literally took finals with a two-day-old baby on my lap. Oh, my God. So I, fresh out of um, nurse practitioner school, I got hired by the place that I work now, and I've been there ever since. So I started with them technically as an RM, just finishing up school, um, and kind of let the nurse practitioners that were there train me. And so it is, it is called Southern Oklahoma Women's Health. It is a women's health clinic. And we started out doing OBGYN. That's kind of why I wanted to work there. I always and forever thought I would be a labor and delivery nurse. I just think the idea of bringing new life into the world is so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never could get hired on at our labor and delivery unit here in town. Um, so at the time, we were doing OBGYN, so it seemed like the closest thing to it. Mm-hmm. So I was really excited to take care of pregnant mamas, but then also the gynecology side of it. Well, two years ago, we quit doing OB. We quit delivering babies, which I thought I would be really sad about, but it decreased our risks a lot because taking care of a yeah. mama and their baby is difficult. Yeah. Um, so now we specialize in male and female hormones, um, we do a ton of different lasers, facial lasers, vaginal lasers, lasers to tone up your body, stuff like that, and then the full gynecology practice, so like do yearly exams, birth control, that kind of stuff. Amazing. Can't wait to dive deeper into that. Yeah. I love it. Welcome to the show. Well, what do you do <laughs> when you're not being a nurse mm. practitioner? Well. Yeah, outside of work, I um, have a fiance, so I'm busy kind of planning a wedding. (laughs) We we love Brandon. We love Brandon. Um, And then together, we have two kiddos, an eight-year-old and a five-year-old, so I do a lot of momming. Mm -hmm. Um, But outside of even being a nurse practitioner and a mom, I love to work out. Um, I love musicals and all things theater. When I have time, we've got a local... Uh, community theater that I usually that I'll act in if I have time yes you do Um, how many plays have you been in at this point um in my adulthood outside of high school I think this was my I think I just finished my eighth show that's amazing 
amazing. Wow. Erin just played the lead. Let her tell. I want to brag on her. I just want to brag on her. I'm just really proud of her okay, because but she let got... her tell what she was and then you can brag on her. Erin, oh, what'd you do? Um, just back in December, I played Jovi in Elf the Musical. So if you've seen Elf the movie, it was Zoe Deschanel's character. Wow. Okay, I no. know. She got the lead. That's great. She's awesome. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. It was a ton of fun. Yeah. It's such a good show to be in. She was awesome. I love it. I love Elf. Cool. Um, well, what's crazy to me, Erin, is that you graduated in 2013, because that's when we met. Is it? Yeah. You're right. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, that you were just, like, starting out that little adventure yeah, when just, we first met. Yeah, and I was primarily doing Zumba instructing at the yeah, time, so yeah. to come to my Zumba class. That's right. That's how we met. We met, um, I was... I was in a brand new city and went to the local YMCA to go to a Zumba class. And Aaron was the Zumba instructor and I didn't know anybody. And she looked like she would be fun to hang out with. So I sent her a really awkward Facebook message and was like, hi, I'm 24 and I don't have any friends and this is awkward, but do you want to be my friend? <laughs> and she was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Making friends is hard. Let's have dinner and I was like how day did you have a check yes or no box at the bottom of your message I might as well have yes yeah pretty much well then of course we hit it off immediately and then she left me so yeah (laughs) we were we that is crazy Aaron our entire okay so Aaron literally is like one of my soulmate best friends and our entire friendship since 2013 has been long distance minus six months yeah. Isn't that crazy? Six months we had together. <laughs> yes. Crazy. And another fun fact about my friend Erin is that she gave me Milo, basically. And sure Milo's did. the cat. My cat. Yes. So. My cat is Milo's mom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So every time I go visit her, I, what? What did you guys say? Hello? Okay. Every time I go to visit Erin, um, I always play with Katniss and um, try to get her to love on me so that Milo knows his mommy is okay. That's adorable. Yeah. Next time you should just rub one of your shirts on her. Yeah. And then bring it home and then just put it in a bed and let him sweep on it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Cool. Well, let's dive in. I think that you guys... Um, like overlap on a lot of really cool things but then you guys obviously have like specialties that are really um like dialed in that I think a lot of people would benefit from hearing about so um I guess my first thing that I would like both of you guys to talk about is like what do you guys see most commonly in your practices um that maybe people feel like they are all alone in that embarrassed to talk about embarrassed to talk about um that you guys see like all the time that is a hundred percent treatable and normal and normal either one yeah either one all right um well so in my career thus far i have uh, treated women exclusively because I started out with um, in an OBGYN physical therapy office. 
Um, and so I see a lot of pregnancy and postpartum, and then I see a lot of other just women's pelvic health throughout the lifetime. So I treat incontinence. I treat that could be that could be urinary or fecal. Um, I treat a lot of pelvic pain disorders like IBS and endometriosis, cystitis, things along those lines. Um, and then I treat a lot of ladies who have uh, pain or other difficulty with sex or difficulty achieving orgasm, things like that. Because the pelvis can include uh, conclude your hips, your back, your core, your abs, um, and even just the way that you breathe can affect how your pelvic floor muscles function. So a lot of my ladies come in with what they think is like mechanical back pain or a hip issue or sciatica and things like that. And once we really dial in, we end up discovering that there's pelvic floor connections. Physical therapy is all about musculoskeletal or neuromuscular. So I don't prescribe medications. I don't do anything along those lines. It's all active physical interventions. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was a lot to take in, but that's like amazing to hear. Yeah. That there's just so much that you can like take care of and help without medication. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have had you when I was pregnant because I peed on myself well, a lot. It's <laughs> and never I still too do. late. Yeah. Once postpartum, always postpartum. Christy, will you dive into more about like, you You said a little bit about like you had a really bad pregnancy, which made you interested in it. But can you talk in more in detail about like, what do you mean by you had a really like horrible pregnancy? Cause that, cause your experience probably is similar to a lot of women's out there. Cause well, I'll let you talk about it. Yeah. Well, I'll just, I'll guess I'll just kind of tell the story because honestly it wasn't even until years later that I had put together for myself, everything that I yeah, that's had what I'm going on. About. Yeah. Um, so I was not like super athletic or physically minded, during this time in my life, I was an English major. I was a reader. I was, I was not like an athlete girl. Um, and so when I got pregnant, um, I went pretty smoothly for the first bit. And then somewhere around month six or seven, I started having really severe, uncontrollable swelling in my legs and in my pelvic area. Um, and they, you know, my physicians told me my blood pressure was fine. So it just is what it is. Um, and it became kind of debilitating, honestly. Um, it made my, my legs really sore. It made it difficult to walk. And I ended up um, just kind of having to go on to bed rest for the last few weeks of my pregnancy because I just, I couldn't tolerate being up and about. Um, I repeatedly asked during my pregnancy, I'd ask my physicians, like, how am I supposed to know how to like push a baby out of me? Like, is somebody going to talk to me about this? And they just kept telling me like, you'll figure it out when the time comes. And so when I went into labor, um, I, I did not figure it out. <laughs> and after I had pushed for three hours, I went into emergency C-section because by that point we were having like heart rate issues with the baby and so on and so forth. So my C-section recovery um, was really difficult because by that point, you know, I'd been, I'd had all this swelling for so long. I hadn't been active for so long. So I was really deconditioned and I had just had major abdominal surgery, which they kind of just expect you to walk it off basically. Mm -hmm. And so I was not able to get out of bed by myself for about a week. I was not able to walk around the block for about a month. 
my entire body just ached all the time because I still had all this fluid on me. I literally, I came home after delivery and weighed myself and I had lost zero pounds when I delivered a baby. And so that was, that was weird. (laughs) That was not a happy moment for me. Sure. Um, so my, my delivery was basically just it or my recovery rather was very long. It was very drawn out. It was very confusing. Um, and anybody that I was asking about my issues, I was just kind of told that like, well, you've had a baby now, so like get used to your body sucking. Um, and I just really felt like that was unacceptable. So I, I started researching, I started figuring out how to exercise on my own. I started just kind of diving into these subjects independently, found out about physical therapy, which I had never even heard of before. Um, and then decided to go back for physical therapy. And it was, it was later that I kind of learned about, well, I learned about, uh, congestion syndrome, which is where you have circulatory issues in the pelvis that contribute to excessive fluid retention and things that I was experiencing at the time. Hmm. Um, and then not to mention just the, the surgical recovery from the C-section is not really something that, you know, there's not a lot of education given to the women who receive the C-section, um, which I will always be confused about as far as what to expect and how to recover and things along those lines. If you have a knee replacement, if you have any other surgery in a hospital, there's going to be a physical therapist who rounds on you in the hospital within 24 hours to get you out of bed and get you to the toilet and make sure that like things are are working properly. Mm. Um, And for some reason, we don't do that on C-section. Um, we don't do that with the ladies who have received just major abdominal surgery and just had their entire core cut open and rearranged. Mm. Um, and I don't have a good answer why we don't do that, but I would love to see that change. Yeah, for sure. Wow. So in my practice now, I work with, um, a lot of pregnant ladies. I see a lot of pelvic congestion and we treat that. Um, I see a lot of post-op C-sections and post-vaginal deliveries and there's so much Um, there's so much rehab that can be done there and even just the right education at the right time can make a huge difference in someone's experience through that. Because Mm -hmm. in hindsight, I think about what I went through and I'm like, if I had just known, you know, if I had just known this or that at the right time, if I had had somebody to to walk me through and guide me through those, those moments, my experience might've been very different. Right. And so that is my goal now is I, I get to be that person for, for whoever needs me in That's my, amazing. in my practice. And it's really cool. Cause it, I mean, it really is so personal to you. It's not just like a profession that you picked out, you know, like of a book at, at college. It's like you have like a mission because of your personal experience. And I think that that is, shown like I think your passion behind it I think your clients and your patients um like feel that from you well thank you I hope so you guys and and be careful because I will get on my soapboxes every now and then so (laughs) tell me if I need to just calm down (laughs) yeah no that's okay um and really quickly you also help and you might have said this but you help women during pregnancy as well learning the movements and muscles to be able to have a healthier delivery. Yes, absolutely. When I when I first meet um, a pregnant patient, I always ask what their goals for their delivery are, um, because whether they're wanting to do 
um, a vaginal delivery, a planned C-section, an epidural, unmedicated, whatever their personal goals are, I want to know that so that we can customize their process towards those goals. Um, But for my ladies especially who want to do a vaginal delivery, who want to do an unmedicated delivery, V-back delivery, um, we spend a lot of time. So that is a vaginal birth after cesarean. Oh, so that oh, is, like a, that a is for a pregnancy? woman. Yeah, so your second, your right, first a separate pregnancy, pregnancy okay, a, a subsequent pregnancy where the woman has had a cesarean section previously, but wants to pursue vaginal delivery um, for for the current pregnancy. Okay. Um, so we spend a lot of time uh, learning about breathing mechanics. We talk a lot about um, just doing embodiment work to get. Uh, the mind-body coordination and connection um, a lot stronger so that you can, so that the, the woman can really listen to what her body's asking her to do as far as getting through that labor process. And I do teach uh, pelvic skills, basically, right. to know how to breathe, to know how to push during labor because um, a lot of women, what they actually, like if I ask somebody to push for the first time, a lot of women really don't understand what that means. Yeah. Um, and especially if you do have an epidural during delivery, obviously you can't feel what you're doing. Mm. So being able to learn those skills kind of as a dry run ahead of time um, can make your, your delivery go a lot more smoothly, whether you have an epidural or not. Because then it's like muscle memory at that point, right? Exactly. Amazing. That's really cool. Um, Aaron. It's so much fun. And Leah, based on like... Christy's experience that she's talking about with um with pregnancy I know both of you guys have you know had babies and been through that process do you like do you guys have similar experiences as far as like an uneducated and maybe Aaron you're different because you were in the field but like do you feel like that's common in the medical field I do think that's very common exactly what Christina said that they sometimes just expect you to know and you don't always know you're a first time mom. And of course you've got your maternal instincts that kick in and certain aspects, but there are times that especially while you're pregnant, you're like, is this normal? Should this be happening to me? Mm. And there are so many things in women's health that different generations think are normal. Mm. So like our grandparents, that era all you know just like christina said you have urinary incontinence every time you laugh cough jump or sneeze oh that's normal because you're getting older or because you had a baby um and our generation says absolutely not i actually mm-hmm. worked with a doctor that said you never have to pee yourself <laughs> no if that's not ever happening yeah then you need to go see somebody because there are so many options wow. to fix that whereas our grandparents said, oh, no, this is how it should be. Oh, I'm getting older. I should be tired and I shouldn't want to have sex. And my, I should be peeing on myself every time I exercise or whatever it may be. Mm. Um, so my experience with pregnancy, I had fairly easy pregnancy, but that, no, by no means did I love it. But lots of people love being pregnant. I was not that person. Mm. Um, probably around... 28, 30 weeks, I took off running in a parking lot one day because it was raining. And ever after that moment, I had pelvic pain. But mm. every time I walked, it felt like somebody was 
stabbing me in the vagina with a fork. Mm. Oh my gosh. And so through, at the time I was a nurse, um, so, and I was still a fairly new nurse. Well, I take that back. I just said I was a nurse practitioner when I delivered. So a very new nurse practitioner. Yeah. Um, and come, you know, at the time it was like, oh, that's round ligament pain. Well, not a whole lot to do about that. A lot of the discomforts and pain and issues that you have when you're pregnant usually go away when you're not pregnant anymore. Um, but to find out that there are things that you can do, just like Christina is talking about mechanically and physically and all of these things that you can do to ease those pains. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, patients don't love to come in and talk about these issues. Um, Christina mentioned inability to orgasm. How many people do you know that talk about their orgasms yeah. or their sex life, you know, especially to somebody that they don't know? They're coming mm-hmm. in to see a nurse practitioner that they see once a year. Yeah. And most people, once they get there and they sit in that chair, are like, oh, no, I won't ask. Yeah, no, I'm not going to talk about that. Because not not everybody's super comfortable talking about sex. I get the vibe. Me and Christina could talk about sex all day. <laughs> um, or vaginas, you know, like. That is my everyday life. So I'm very comfortable talking about those things. But then you bring in a patient who is not. Right. Um, and a lot of times those issues just go unmentioned because people are afraid or embarrassed to talk about it. But when people do open up and talk about it, we've got things that fix all of these issues. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's really interesting what you just said, Aaron, because even outside, like we're not trying to be like dirty or over sexualized or anything like that. Like this is something that should be normal and healthy in your life. And like from a medical standpoint, you know, I don't, I mean, I'm not married, but you hear people talk about all the time, like after baby, you know, like the intimacy side of a relationship changes and a lot of like, if women could destigmatize that conversation and, and not have shame and guilt associated with it from a medical standpoint, you know, there are things that can help, you know, get back to feeling normal, right? Absolutely. Sexual health is just as important as your mental health, as your yes. physical health. It's just another aspect that's extremely important and needs to be discussed. Yes, absolutely. And and just on that same idea where these where these ladies have issues that they don't want to talk about, they don't feel comfortable talking about, or it has been normalized, um, and mm-hmm. they think it's just something they have to live with. Mm-hmm. And so maybe issues that have developed slowly over the course of years are continuing to go untreated. Um, I think I saw a study one time that the like average woman waits eight years in order before she actually brings up some of these symptoms with her, with her physician. Um, if she's having painful sex or if she's having issues along those lines, these very personal issues. Yeah. Um, and they live with them for so long. So when we're thinking about like what you said, Carrie, about how maybe your, your sex life changes after baby or it changes, you know, as, as you age, what a lot of these women are finding, at least from the patients that I work with and speak with is they're having difficulties they're having they're having things that are getting in the way of them being able to enjoy sex and whether it's pain or whether it's insecurity about like their vagina looks different than it used Mm -hmm. to or things along those lines 
So they don't feel safe and comfortable to continue to engage in that activity. Mm. Um, and like Aaron said, these are things that we can treat. These are things that we can address. Um, even something like round ligament pain, Aaron, I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many times I've had a pregnant woman come into my office with round ligament pain so bad she couldn't hardly lay down on the table. Um, and just by teaching her some skills on how to activate her muscles and how to use her body mechanics, she gets back up and she's walking out pain-free the same day. Wow. wow. And so the fact that women are dealing with these issues for so long and that they're so potentially debilitating and impactful on, you know, even the most intimate aspects of their life, it's just, it's unnecessary. And that's really the my bottom line that I want everybody to hear today is that it's unnecessary. There, there are options. You just gotta, you just gotta be ready for it. Wow. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. Yeah. And this doesn't, we don't even have to be, we're talking about women as a whole. You don't even have had to have babies for these things to be issues. You know, we, we treat women, teenagers who come in, um, and we don't promote teenage sex, but it happens right. and they come in still needing, needing things fixed. And just because even if you haven't had a baby doesn't mean you don't have the stress urinary incontinence, um, or pelvic pain or whatever it may be. There's so many different diagnoses that can happen because you've got pelvic pain. Mm-hmm. So the thing, once you come in, we've got to dive in and figure out what's the problem. That's kind of the fun thing about medicine is, Really, there is no right answer, usually. You've got to go down a bunch of different paths to find the right answer. But we can't find the answer without all of the information. Mm. Absolutely. And that and that takes a lot of trust from the patient to feel Absolutely. safe to, start, to really start sharing these more intimate aspects of themselves. So thank you, girls, Carrie and, and Lily. For, for bringing up these conversations. I remember listening to your to your period episodes talking about mm-hmm. like how difficult it was to get a tampon in and how much it hurt to try to take it out. And I've worked with um, you know teenagers who can't tolerate putting a tampon in because it hurts. And I mean imagine being a 16 year old girl who can't go yeah. to her friend's pool party or whatever because you don't know how to use a tampon. That puts mm-hmm such a damper on your social life and your self-esteem and then that starts to bleed over into so many other aspects of life absolutely yeah you need to stop the madness stop the madness stop it (laughs) were you gonna say something no okay i'm literally taking a back seat on all this and just taking this all in i know i really haven't said a lot because i it's just mind-blowing to hear all of this because i wish i would have known i'm gonna get emotional why am i getting emotional hey you know, this is safe here. I know. It's okay. It's a lot. I wish I would have known this before. So I'm not peeing on myself all the time. I'm tired of having wet underwear. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the answer is it's never too late. Like, no, never let's too do late. it now because you're, you're young and there's no reason to have to deal with it for the rest of your life. And then if you so choose to have a second baby one day, um, your, your knowledge is completely different. You've learned so much more. And then if we're sitting here talking about this, you've got the tools to, to know better for next time and know what to prepare for and how to prevent things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you've got all of us behind you to, to make Absolutely. sure that you find the answers and the help that you need. Yeah. I mean, my, my daughter is about to be 12 next month. 
Leah, and I promise you, I'm going to be back to normal any day now. So <laughs> that's what I mean when I say, when I say once postpartum, always postpartum, and it's never too late to, to start, to start tackling these things because you, you deserve, deserve to feel good in your body and you deserve to live a pleasurable life. Yeah, I think that's huge. That's huge for any like postpartum mom to hear those things that like you can get help with all this stuff. Like I wish I would have like I told my doctor when I was pregnant, I was like, hey, I have sciatic nerve. Like I literally have to have my husband help me up and sit me down on the toilet and then help me get up from the toilet and put me in bed. And Mm. like my doctor would be like, oh, just stretch it out. So I'd be in pain stretching it out for hours and it never went away. And you can't really take medicine when you're in pain pregnant. It's just I wish I would have known about all this. I wish I would have like, you know, been like my doctor would have been like, hey, there's other people out there that can help you for these specifics. You know, when I was pushing my baby out, like I couldn't feel a damn thing. Mm -hmm. I, I was literally just like pushing, quote unquote, pushing. Granted, I got Mm -hmm. him out really fast, but, like, now I pee on myself all the time, Mm -hmm. knowing that I could have prevented some of that. Yeah. It's just mind-blowing to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you're right. The the pushing pushing a baby out is a lot of what happens with the pelvic floor, why you start to have a prolapse one day, but age has a lot to do with it. So that's why I keep going back to you don't even have to have been pregnant at one point for these things to happen because – Gravity mm-hmm. takes effect as we get older. And so not only has your, your bladder may have fallen a little bit, the rectum can fall in. Mm-hmm. Um, Christina mentioned people not liking the way their vagina looks anymore because it looks different mm-hmm. because gravity takes effect and mm-hmm. everything kind of falls. And so, yes, yes, there are things to do to prevent it. But, yes, there are things to do to repair it and improve on everything afterwards after it's already happened so there's always hope yeah can you go yeah. into detail on that yeah i want to hear more about sure, like what you see in a daily in a day-to-day Erin. like what's normal um and like common in your practice yeah so i you very rarely have a patient come in that says i don't like the way my vagina looks anymore but now that my office we specialize in some vaginal lasers and now that we've kind of put that out there um, it's hard to advertise for vaginal lasers. You know, people, again, it's, hard, it's something that makes people uncomfortable. It's hard to make a Facebook post um, about the way your vagina looks. So word of mouth is the very best advertisement there is. Mm-hmm. And um, now that we've, we've got more women doing it, I'm seeing more women come in and say, hey, I don't like the way my vagina looks anymore. And so when you look at a vagina, it should all be closed. But as we get older, you may notice that when you look, your vagina has an opening that may not have been there before, or the labia um, is a little bit looser than it used to be. Um, So those are usually the biggest telltales when people are having issues. Um, And so the vagina, we, of course... Back in the day, they just always said, well, do your Kegels. Kegels are your answer when you're having urinary incontinence. Well, Kegels only work if you know how to do them. I feel like doing Kegels, I'm squeezing my butthole. (laughs) So I don't know the difference between my butthole and my vagina hole. (laughs) 
they're, they're connected to each other. That's right. That's right. But you're not, they're connected yeah. to each other. You're not supposed to. But be as a as a quick sidebar, Kegels can actually make some of these problems worse. It's all about yeah. whether Kegels oh. are what you need, and there's no way for Absolutely. you to really know that until you get properly assessed. Wow. Yeah, um, that's exactly right. I think that's huge. Well, and, and Kegels don't change the way your vagina looks. Right. Kegels don't improve mm-hmm. your orgasms. Kegels don't make sex better. You know, and that's a, a lot of women don't want to go around saying, I don't want to have sex with my partner anymore. Um, I don't, the desire is not there. It doesn't feel good. It hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it just becomes like the, this chore that yeah. no one wants to talk about. You have to take care of your partner. Mm-hmm. Like, well, how often do they tell you, well, if you don't have sex with them, somebody else will. Yeah, they're going to leave and you. And that's the biggest, that's, yeah, that's terrible. That's a terrible way to think about Absolutely it. Absolutely toxic. Yeah. Yes, I, toxic is the perfect word. Um, so it's, you've got to assess all of the reasons that this is happening. So maybe, like she said, you're always in the postpartum. You're once postpartum, always postpartum. So maybe it's a new, newly postpartum. Is there issues with? postpartum blues or postpartum depression um what are your hormone levels looking like Mm. when we get into our 30s is usually when our testosterone level starts to decline and that's something my office does very differently than a lot of other um, clinics that i know yes is that a woman's a woman's testosterone level if you're looking at lab work tells you the range is two to 45 well, if you fall anywhere in there and you're coming in telling me I'm tired all the time, I have no sex drive, mood swings, joint pain, foggy brain, well, then we need to look at your testosterone levels and see about getting them a lot higher than what that range says. And so that's for somebody who is done having babies um, but is dealing with all of those issues. So you've got to go from the hormone standpoint, is this why you don't want to have intercourse? Um, but then the vaginal health aspect of it too. So we, my office offers multiple different vaginal lasers, but whichever laser you choose, um, all still have like the same end goal. They boost the collagen in the vagina so that the vagina is tighter, more lubricated. When the rectum or the bladder has kind of fallen into the vagina, it can send those back where they're supposed to as the collagen boosts. Um, It can improve sensation and orgasm and all the good things Mm. that people don't want to talk about. Wow. That's a whole new world. That is like literally a whole new world of just like, like both of y'all are a whole new world in a breath of fresh air to hear. Yeah. And it's just like y'all are talking about it like it's normal. You're like, yeah, this is what we do. (laughs) This is how it is. Yeah, well, this is literally what we do all day, every day. Right. I love it. And while we're on the subject of vaginal aesthetics, I do want to just sidebar real quick and let's talk about how um, vulvas, which are the external genitalia, come in all shapes, all sizes, Mm -hmm. all colors. Your labia might be big on the outside and little on the inside. They might be little on the outside, big on the inside. They might protrude and hang down. And all of that is normal variation. So one of the questions I get all the time is, do I look normal? And the answer is always yes. <laughs> yes, always. The only time that really the vulva needs to be changed is if you're having issues with it. 
like, are you having pain? Is it difficult to wear a pair of jeans? Is, oh, do they get in, wow. is, are things in the way during intercourse? Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm with Christina. They're all normal. They're normal. I've you, asked you that question normal. before. The very first time I went and got a Brazilian, I was like, oh, I thought you, oh, I'm going. <laughs> the very first time I got a Brazilian, uh, I mean, it sounds so silly, but I feel like that's like a common thing that women think about uh, mm, because yes. there's like, I don't know. We've talked about this on other episodes. There's a stigma that women have to be, you know, this like certain way or whatever. And so um, as someone who like isn't with a partner and, you know, isn't active in that world, um, like I literally went and got a wax and I was like, okay, I know you see these like all day, every day. So like, am I good? Like, is my vagina beautiful? Yeah. Does everything look normal? And like, is this what you see every day? And she was like, yeah, girl, you're totally normal. And I was like, <laughs> oh God, thank you, the Lord, <laughs> you know? And so like, it's, it's embarrassing, but I feel like literally, like we talk about all the time, this is things that everybody has in their mind, but there's so much like guilt and shame but also just embarrassment associated with it but like you guys said like christy you just said like you deserve to have like a happy healthy and pleasurable life and i think speaking out of not from experience but from like having friendships and like you guys um i think that there's like this mindset or stigma that like you just once you have a baby like you just give up a part of who you are and you Mm -hmm. just have to deal with the repercussions of it because you're a woman and that's what you do. Yes, absolutely. And there's, there's really not a lot of representation of, you know, vulva variety. If you, if you have watched pornography or if your partner has watched pornography, you've, you've seen a very limited spectrum of what a vulva might look like. And we don't, you know, most of us don't get really exposed to a lot of, a lot of vulva imagery on our daily lives. Um, so we, we just don't know how we compare to, to the rest of the population. So I do want to share a resource on that if I can. There is, um, a website that I like called Labia Library. I was going to say the same thing. Yes. Really? You know about Labia, labialibrary.org.au. What? And there's some, (laughs) there's some great, uh, there's some great education on that site. And there's also a gallery um, of user submitted labias and vulvas, wow. and, I, and and the pictures are from all angles, from straight on, from right under. It gives you all the different views of what, each but, vagina. But why? And they're all beautiful. Like, what's the purpose? So you of can this see website? them. So you can. So know you that can you're see not them. Alone. Your vagina. And so, yes. Yes, so that you can see that you're normal. That you're normal, wow. and that yes, your vagina looks that. like everybody else's, even if it's a little bit different. I actually know about that website because of Carrie. Carrie sent it to me and asked if I'd seen it before. I know. <laughs> yeah. You know about it. Yeah, know. you did at one point. You did at one point because I laughed when she sent it to me and I was, she was like, you should check this out. And I was like, Carrie, my brain is a labia library. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Your private phone gallery is a labia library. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, that's really funny. And <laughs> literally, Aaron, there are times where I'm like, um, Aaron, this is happening. Is this normal? And I'll just like send her a picture. <laughs> and she's like, yep, 
you're all good. And just like throw that in the private, <laughs> private vagina bin. <laughs> yes, it happens all the time, especially with my friends, people sending me pictures of their breasts or pictures of yeah. their vagina. Just, hey, is this normal? Or hey, what's going on with me? Yeah, I love it. Well, um, we are, uh, I want to give you guys a few more like minutes to talk about maybe what your, um, like if you were going to give like a final message to Any advice, yeah, to advice that you can here. give, um, the women that are listening and also the men that are listening. Cause both of you guys treat both genders, you know? Yeah. So, um, final, um, like if, tidbit. yeah, if, if people hear anything in this episode, what would you like them to hear from you? Um, whoever wants to start. Well, I will offer them, um, there's, there's a few things. Sex is not supposed to be painful. Your periods are not supposed to be awful. Even labor and childbirth is not supposed to be awful. Um, chronic conditions like endometriosis and PCOS and IBS, these things are manageable. There is help for these things. And so that is, that is really the biggest feedback I get, I think, from so many is just that they didn't know that this was available. They didn't know that there were options. And so I just want anybody who has anything going on that's preventing them from enjoying their life, like, don't give up looking for options for that because they're out there. I love that. That's awesome. I wish I would have heard that mm, 18 months ago. Yeah. Well, and actually, I kind of want to side bar that a little bit Christy too and talk about and maybe Erin you can speak to this too the fact that like seeking out help like that and maybe this is just a tangent honestly but seeking out help like that isn't um supported by like common um like medical insurances and things like that whereas like I don't know. I just feel like that's something that they're like, well, yeah, you can do that, but you're going to have to like find it on your own and pay for it on your own and deal with it on your own, as opposed to it just being like part of your common like annual checkups and, you know, things mm -hmm. like that. Um, I know, Chrissy, you've had to deal with the world of insurance and I'm sure Aaron, you do too. So Absolutely. like being able to afford and like find people that treat, like, can you guys speak into that a little bit? Well, that is very true because a lot of our vaginal lasers um, and that kind of stuff that helps fix those issues um, we are cash pay because insurance doesn't cover them. Um, same with hormone replacement therapy, especially the, we do a lot of the pellets, if you've heard of pellets, mm -hmm. um, and insurance doesn't cover those either. So you're right, it does end up, it can be a very costly thing at some point. Um, and we fight insurance companies every single day that I can't tell you how many times a day my nurse comes and says, well, Hey, this is the birth control you prescribe for this patient, but the insurance doesn't want to pay for it. Um, so what do you want to do instead? Mm. And there's, you have to send in prior authorizations to say, no, Hey, there's a reason I did this. There's a reason this is the treatment that the patient needs mm. and you know, insurance companies, they're not medical companies that you've got some guy sitting in an office somewhere that has no medical background saying, no, that we're not going to pay for that. They need to do this instead. Mm. So we fight that all the time. Um, but, but I'm big on, we'll work with you. We will figure it out because we're not going to let you, 
um, be miserable and mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. We'll figure it out. We'll work with you. Um, but again, your provider, whoever that may be, can't help you and work with you on a plan, whether it be monetary or physical or whatever it may be, if you don't say something. Um, so if the issue is, hey, I want to have this vaginal laser, I want to have this therapy done, and but I can't afford it, so I'm not going to even talk about it, um, that's where the issue lies. Talk about it. We'll figure it out. We'll work with you. Gotcha. Christy, what And I'm going to be careful here. I'm going to be careful here because I could talk for way too long about insurance. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> but... What I, what I have found is exactly what Aaron's experience has been is that it actually interferes with your ability as a provider to give the patient what they're needing. Um, and a little bit about insurance in general and kind of the state of things. If you have a really good insurance plan, if you're on TRICARE, if you have Medicare, if you have, you know, some of those types of plans that just cover everything, that's fabulous. But what most people have these days is a deductible plan. And what that means is that you are going to be out of pocket, however many, you know, thousands of dollars often, whatever your plan says, you're out of pocket that amount before your insurance even kicks in. So just to give you a tangible example, in in my insurance-based practice where I was working for an organization, uh, a woman with a deductible plan would pay over $300 just to have an initial evaluation with me. And that's with insurance. So in my private practice, I'm purely self-pay. I do not operate um, in in Mm -hmm. conjunction with any insurance companies because I think they result in unethical treatment um, and poor patient care. So that means that when you come to see me at my private practice, it's it's just between you and me and we will figure out what we need to do. But an evaluation at my private practice, I bill out $125 flat fee, no surprises. And so for a lot of people, it's actually cheaper to go through the private sector than it is to use your insurance company. And I know that that's really counterintuitive and it's really poorly understood. But that's another thing I want people to realize is make sure you understand what your insurance company is actually doing for you, Mm. um, because there's a lot of ways that you can work within that system. So long story short. Absolutely. My office has kind of gone away from insurance as well. A lot of our stuff is cash pay for that same reason. Mm -hmm. So long story short, like don't not research and get treated for fear of financial, like that you can't afford it. Like you, there are resources out there. There are people to work with, um, private practice sectors that you can get treated and get everything that we've been talking about in a way that you're going to be able to afford it. Yes. Awesome. Um, Aaron, do you want to kind of give your send off as far as like what you want people to know and hear from you today? Sure. I, I think the biggest thing is, and of course I know we're talking primarily about women's health, but when I say these things, I'm, I mean the men as well, that if whatever issue it is in your life, if it's causing issues in your self-esteem, your self-worth, um, just the overall way you feel about yourself and you feel about your life, if any of those things are being affected um, by whatever issue it is that you're having, whether it be I don't want to have sex or urinary incontinence for the men, erectile dysfunction, you know, that's a, that would be, that's a big one on your self-esteem. Um, so if those are causing issues in your daily life, then we just need to talk about it. I think that's my biggest send off is just find a provider that you're comfortable with and talk about it because I 
how often patients say, this is so embarrassing to say, or I didn't even want to tell you this. And I promise I've heard it. I promise Christy's heard it. We've heard it all. We've seen it all. You're not going to surprise us. And we're not going to make fun of you for whatever issue it is that you're having because you aren't alone. You aren't the only person dealing with this. Um, but again, if you don't talk about it, if we don't get comfortable, we don't get comfortable in the uncomfortable and talk about it together, then we can't fix it. And again, you're not alone. So whatever issue it may be, just find somebody you're comfortable with and talk to them about it. I think that's the biggest takeaway I have. I love it. Yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> Thank yeah. you guys so much. We really appreciate y'all. Um, can you tell our friends where they can find you guys? Like, so I'm like Southern social Oklahoma media. Women. Yeah, like social okay. media, website, yeah. Instagrams, private practices, anywhere. If they want to find you and reach out to you, where can they do that? Yeah, mine, my practice is Southern Oklahoma Women's Health. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Um, you can find us there. If you'll Google us and go to our face or our website, um, you can actually see before and after pictures of labia or the body contouring that we do, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then I am Erin, E-R-A-N, Upsall, O-P-S-A-H-L. And I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, so reach out if you guys have questions comments whatever i would i'd love to hear from you friend me i'm i'm always open to that that's awesome and we'll tag you guys um in the show notes as well christy where can they find you so my professional website is feelthebrightside.com Brightside is my practice name my social media presence is under construction so my website is really the best place you can get in touch with me there great awesome perfect cool all right guys so you know what time it is? Do you know what time it is? It's time for Life Preservers. Brought to you by Lifesavers, but not really brought to you by Lifesavers, but I really hope one of these days it will be. <laughs> All right, great. I'm so confident one of, the, one of these days they will. One of these days they'll hear this podcast and be like, sponsor. I'm just going to get a bag of like We're Life Preservers it. delivered to my front door and be like, we made it. Lifesavers. Oh yeah, lifesavers, <laughs> lifesavers. Life I get it wrong. You have a lifetime supply of lifesavers. Yeah, we did it, guys. <laughs> World famous. We made it. Um, okay, well, we would love to hear from you guys this week what your life preserver is. Well, my life preserver this week is going to be musicals. I saw Rent the musical last night. And like I said earlier, I do theater every once in a while. Yeah. I, I love all things theater and musicals. So that's my life preserver this week. Ugh, was it amazing? 10 out of 10? No, 10 out of 10 for yeah. sure. Five like within the first two songs. Yes, they opened the second act with that song. And I thought they were tricking us. I love it. I've never seen the stage play, so. That's <laughs> oh, so great. Um, sister? What's your life preserver? My life preserver can't live without it. Um, I'm going to go with great orgasms. Oh, oh yeah. great choice. Oh, oh, wow. Spicy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and side note, if your orgasms aren't great, 
we can fix that. Oh, wow. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> my armpits are sweaty and my palms are sweaty. I love it. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Um, my life preserver would have to be, um, going to Orlando this past week because I got a taste of that sweet, sweet 80 degree weather and it was so nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm, Yeah. So nice. I, I miss it. My life preserver this week is my old pillow that I've had forever (laughs) that I've missed while we were in Orlando Mm. and I slept so good last night Mm. with the pillow that I've had for you know forever that's like yellow but it's It's all right most comfortable it's okay we don't talk about that yeah. No, Bruno. No, Bruno. <laughs> I'm telling you, my kids sing that nonstop. Yeah. Same. Um, all right, Erin. What you kicking off the boat? What's going overboard this week? And chucking off the boat cold weather. Get it out of here. This two weeks ago, it was snowing, which I know you guys are a little bit more used to the snow than us Oklahomans are. There was snow on the ground, and I got to get on a plane and go to St. Croix. Uh, Thank you to Christina for all of of the recommendations. And it was so beautiful, and the weather was perfect. And then we came back, and it's 30 degrees again. So I'm chucking that out off this boat. It can drown. Great. (laughs) Sister, what are you throwing overboard? Um, So I am throwing overboard kegels. All right. <laughs> let's get them. Let's get them out of there. Let's get them. They don't do what you think they do. They don't. All right. No, Great. Don't want that. Um, I haven't come up with one yet, so passing it to you right now. Okay, I am going to throw overboard. Wow, I don't. I know. I. What don't I love? I don't know. Right now, I'm like kind of in a good mood, so I don't think I really have anything to throw off the bo- boat. Um, yeah. Oh, no, no. You know what? Here's what I'm throwing overboard because I'm freaking riled up about it. I'm throwing overboard freaking flight attendants that are going to tell me to wear my mask the whole time and then they don't wear theirs the entire flight and I'm writing a review. She was staring at them the whole time. She was like, I'm sure there's steam coming out of her ears. Literally, we were sitting in the front row of this freaking airplane. So I'm like, four feet away from the flight attendant and they're like make sure you wear your mask over your nose and your chin the whole time and she didn't freaking have it on at all and i was like i'm gonna murder someone but you can't say that because you're on an airplane so. yeah that's not really yeah good. don't don't say murder on an airplane <laughs> but anyway yeah, you don't want to be one of those people that gets off the <laughs> if i'm wearing my mask you're wearing your mask little lady right <laughs> lady anyway that's it. <laughs> I I don't I honestly can't think of anything to throw off the board. But That's okay. Mm, uh, liver. A- I'm throwing liver, cooked liver off. <laughs> I don't know. I've never had it, and I will never have it, and I don't like it. <laughs> it's stinky, and the color is gray. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys, thank you so so much for getting in our boat today talking about this is so fun thank you for having us we really appreciate y'all so Um, much i appreciate you yeah thank you for educating us for um for being vulnerable for sharing experiences and for allowing our friends our little yaddies to 
hopefully not feel so alone about a topic that may be hard to talk about. Yeah. Guys, get off your island. Get off your island. Make sure you get comfortable in the uncomfortable. Talk to your doctors about any concerns that you have. I know for sure I will. Yeah, and remember, my sister does remote consults. So reach out to her, find her website, and I'm sure Erin would be happy to um, discuss anything that she can as well. But get off your island, jump on our sea do put your life vest on first. We love you so much. We love you a ton. Have an amazing rest of your week. Bye. Bye. Bye.